This is the DX Podcast, proudly presented by Wondrous. Episode 14, with photographer extraordinaire, Alistair Philip Wiper. Hello and welcome to the DX Podcast, Alistair Philip Wiper. Hello. All the way from beautiful Copenhagen, or is it Copenhagen? We always argue about this. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. I hear people say Copenhagen every now and then, but I don't know where it comes from. Danes don't say it. Well, welcome to the DX Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you at last. Um, and I've been waiting to have a chat with you for ages. Um, doesn't matter on the DX Podcast or not. Um, but uh, yeah, we spent um, a while um, whilst I was at Art Basel um, taking pictures for campaigns that we used um, as a short background. Um, and we haven't seen each other since. Um, so at least that we can use this DX podcast to actually talk to people that we would actually really like to talk to. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm very good, actually. I'm missing the, I'm missing our trips around the world a little bit. Oh man. Yeah. Tell me about it. Those were the days. (laughs) Oh, traveling the world, just the two of us uh, in, in, uh, lovely hotels and drinking, um, copious amounts of water, of course. Local water. Local water. Important to stay hydrated. Yeah. But uh, life is treating you well. Um, you're uh, cooped up in, in Copenhagen. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, have you been working much? Uh, yes and no. I mean, my job as I knew it before Corona was pretty much traveling around the world, um, taking photos of things. And now um, I can't do that anymore. So I've had to change what I do a bit. But yes, working all the time. Good. I, I'm glad to hear. Um, but before we get into the um, you know the deep deep stuff, um, can you just take us through um, you know where um, you've come from and how you got to where you are right now? Because I know it's it's actually a really long story. Um, and it's not just the the clear kind of career trajectory as one might know it. Um, and that's uh, also a reason why I wanted to have you on this on this podcast because you've you've had a really interesting career thus far. Um, could you take us through that quickly, please? Yeah, I guess the interesting part is I never knew what I was going to do or what I wanted to do. I studied philosophy with politics at university in England, um, which kind of led me to absolutely nothing. Um, And I traveled a bit. I was a ski bum for a couple of years. I left England when I was 21. Uh, And I I kind of trained to be a a chef, a cook. Uh, And that's one of my biggest passions in life is cooking. So I was kind of traveling around and cooking. And I met a Danish girl uh, and went back to Copenhagen with her. And because I had, you know, nothing better to do, really. Um, And when I got here, I was kind of cooking a bit. But I didn't want to, to work as a cook. And I started one day just designing some t-shirts for fun and I met a guy that could print them and then I sold the ones that he printed and I taught myself how to use Illustrator and Photoshop in order to make the designs and then I decided I wanted to be a graphic designer so I um, got an internship with a graphic designer as a graphic designer uh, and kind of moved around a couple of places and I ended up in the in a 
uh, working with a, a big fashion designer in Denmark uh, called Henrik Vibsko. And he's also an artist and he's doing some really crazy, fun things. And I had a lot of freedom there. I worked there for 10 years or so, uh, doing prints and yeah, flyers and lookbooks. And I ended up doing all the photography um, of all the, all, the, all the campaigns and the shows and everything. And I thought that that was actually really fun. And I decided at one point I want to be a photographer. And that was... I guess 12, 13 years ago, something like that. Um, so I built a dark room in my apartment and bought loads of old film cameras and kind of really got into photography. Uh, and then I had to, there came a point where I had to say, right, I have to quit my job and go and do this. Uh, but I had no idea how I was going to make a living, um, kind of taking dusty black and white photographs that I'd developed in my, my, my dark room in my apartment. Um, so I, I was kind of searching for a bit to figure out what, what it was I should do. What was, how was I going to make a living? How was I going to do anything? And one day I saw some pictures by um, some old photographers that were working in the 50s and 60s, um, industrial photographers who took pictures of big oil refineries and factories uh, for the for the oil refineries and for the factories for the companies that own the places, and I just I was blown away when I saw them. I I, I kind of I just had a light bulb moment and I, I said that's what I want to do. Um, so I threw away well I didn't throw them away I put all my my dark room stuff in in a cupboard and got a digital camera and went full color uh, and just tried to get into any place I could get into. Um, any kind of factory or laboratory or anywhere that would let me in. Um, and eventually I built up a portfolio and then I started to get kind of contacted by people that wanted to send me to these kind of places um, and ended up, yeah, for the last 10 years or so, I've been going into factories and laboratories and, and finding amazing things to photograph. And where would you say the uh, the inspiration for that actually came from? Apart from, of course, these uh, photographs that you saw, but um, you need to have an interest for those kind of uh, scientific kind of apparatus in the beginning to to be able to find the perspectives that you're looking for. Where do you where do you think that came from as a philosophy uh, student? To be honest, I really didn't have that particularly. Um, that came later um, because. In the beginning, I think I just saw, I saw lines and colours and shapes uh, and this idea of getting into places that other people don't get to see and going behind the scenes. And that was the thing that attracted me. And I think the other thing that attracted me was that I didn't really know anything about this subject. So it was, it was kind of like I, I saw an opportunity to, to jump into a world that, that I didn't know anything about and learn about it. Um, but I, I really, if I look back, I can't see any particular connection with the science and the industry from, from when I was growing up, to be honest. Um, but that was, maybe that was a bonus in a way, because it made it more exciting for me. And so going from uh, being a, a ski bum to a cook to a, um, a graphic designer to a photographer, um, do you see an, a red thread there at all? Only that 
um, I kind of followed whatever I wanted to do or felt like doing. <laughs> Opportunistic. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, cooking is a big passion in my life. And, and, and I think I've, 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 I've found something. Then I, then I, then I found it, I, I thought it was really fun to learn to use programs like Illustrator and Photoshop. And that was a kind of a new thing to jump into and learn. And then I discovered photography and I was like, okay, there's a new thing that I can learn there. Um, so I guess it's just learning all the time is very interesting for me and having the opportunity to, to try something new. And I got to, I got to know you as an extremely technical um, photographer as well. You know um, exactly what kind of settings you need and how like that all kind of comes together and light. You only really use natural light, right? Uh, in a lot of the stuff I do, but actually I'm starting to use a lot more light now. I just, I just okay. moved into a new studio and, uh, since I'm not traveling the world anymore, I'm, I'm doing a lot more studio work, uh, which mm -hmm. is, I guess is kind of the next step for me. You know, it's like a kind of, it's a, it's one of those hidden silver linings of the Corona crisis is you're forced to do something new or try something new. So Yeah, actually, I'm working a lot with light at the moment. But in my previous kind of bodies of work, I've mostly just turned up with a tripod and a shutter release cable and my camera. And and a lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, and kind of figured out how to make it work. I don't really like to add equipment when I don't need equipment because... It weighs me down, and it, not only in baggage, but also in kind of suddenly I have 10 different decisions to make about which light I should use or which piece of equipment is the right one for this. So I like to keep it as minimal as possible and then add stuff as it becomes necessary. Um, I mean, in the beginning, when I started taking pictures, I bought everything I could get my hands on and then kind of played with it and then went, went back to basics. Yeah, that's a, a common danger, right? Gear acquisition syndrome, I think they call it. Photographers just need to have all the newest stuff. Yeah, I've tried to kind of, I've tried to avoid that. But having said that, I've just moved into this new studio and I've just gone a bit bonkers for the first time in five years <laughs> buying loads of gear. So, so because uh, I've always been thinking, I've also always been thinking that I need everything I buy. I need to fit into a bag that can go on an airplane, uh, and I need to travel light. And suddenly, I have this space where I actually I'm, I can buy that big light over there because I've got a place to put it now. So it's a bit dangerous. But I mean, that said, if you're taking a picture of the Large Hadron Collider, there's there's no light really big enough to take pictures of that. Um, so you're kind of depending on the situation, of course, and the, the size of the objects that you're taking pictures of, um, that'll depend on what kind of light you need, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's never an opportunity to bring in a truckload of lighting or anything like that. Um, and that's why I had to kind of learn to do it the way I did it. But, you know, some of the guys that, that, that I was inspired by in the, in the fifties and sixties, they didn't have the kind of cameras that I have now with, you know, where you can, I can just go up in ISO quite, quite easily and, um, you know, have very sensitive digital backs. Whereas 
they had to light these factories and they were often trying to you know, capture people moving in a dark factory with an old film camera and they brought in like big lights and you know a truck full of lights and I think a lot of the times they were like the kind of bulbs that only had one flash and then they had to go and change all the bulbs and so that yeah and then they could change all the bulbs and then they do another one so I mean that's I'm still inspired by those guys even though even though I've, I've kind of now I've I feel like I've gone and photographed a lot of the kind of places that, that they've photographed them still kind of in awe of the the effort that went into those pictures and the, the craft right i mean you started in in classical film cameras so i guess you had to like learn the hard way what how exposure works and how how to develop stuff um that, that must be tremendously useful working in digital right as well because it's you know what the science is behind it a bit right yeah, I mean, it helps. Of course, the, the more knowledge you have about what you're doing or your craft, the better. But to be honest, when you compare it to what they were doing back then, I can take a picture and see it immediately and delete it and then take another one and just work out from there how I need to you know, tune the exposure. Whereas they, they, just, they, they, they really had to have the knowledge. They needed to be so... Um, so expert at what they were doing that they they were kind of working blind basically compared to the way that we're working now and then add in a load of you know one-time use flash bulbs scattered around the factory it's yeah it's really impressive i mean but but to be honest uh, actually after having seen you work I, I think you do you don't do too much experimentation you pretty much know what you're looking for and that's why I thought working with you was so much fun because you're a very creative type of um, a photographer and, and I kind of feel like you see a lot of things that pe other people might not or other photographers might not um, in objects and you get to um, show perspectives that people might not see. Is that how you s would perceive yourself as well? I've heard people say that um, a lot about my work or about the way that I work. But for me, it's 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 kind of obvious actually that the it's just a way of looking at things you know so yes i understand that not everybody sees the same thing that i see um and i suppose that you know yeah i'm lucky that i can kind of bring out that that side and get the chance to see those things but but one of the things that also attracted to me me to this this whole industrial thing was that i knew i would just walk into places that had amazing stuff there. I didn't need to create that world. The world existed, I just had to find it and photograph it. And so when I walk into a place, I'm, I'm already kind of amazed at what I'm looking at. And I'm, you know, I'm just thrilled to be there at all. You know, if you had um, a dream project that you've done um, already, uh, what what would you say that would have been and why? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, I mean, the... Oh, that's tough. I guess... 
I mean, are they client projects or are they projects that because you ha- you come up a lot of with a lot of ideas yeah. yourself, right? Um, your own projects. You've you've done books. You've you've done um, uh, you know editorials that you've come up with your with with the ideas yourself. Um, and then you've also had um, amazing client projects as well with, with with Google. You've you've worked for Nikon. You've worked for Wired. You'd work for Bang and Olufsen. Um, I could go on for ages with amazing client lists that you have. Um, what what would you say? Like, is it creative freedom or um, is it coming up with a with a really special idea of your own, or is it working to a really great brief with a really great creative team? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it could be either of those things. The you know, I really like doing commercial shoots with a team. I think it's really good fun. One of my favorite jobs ever was for a certain multinational internet uh, tech company uh, that I travel around the world photographing inside their data centers which is like a place that no one can get into. I mean, it's just impossible. Um, And the security was like ridiculously high. And if you can get in there, you're definitely not allowed to bring a camera, let alone like a mobile phone or anything. So, (laughs) so that was really, you know, that was really special and that was really fun. But then I wasn't, I'm not really allowed to, to show the pictures that I took and say that they're mine. So that kind of got, that took a bit of the icing off the cake, but I, I still really enjoyed it. But then I think one of the first ones that, that really struck home for me was going to visit CERN in Switzerland. Um, because that was one of the first projects that I got where I was in the stage where I just, I was just kind of calling any company I could think of uh, or organization that I thought might have an interesting facility that might let me in and I would kind of call like the Toyota hotline and say, hey, I'm a photographer. Can you let me in and to your factory to take some pictures? And they just kind of saying no and hanging up. And, and that was like, the, of course they were, you know, like I don't know what I was doing, but that was part of the, that was part of my learning process. Oh, that's part, a big part of the art is figuring out how to, who to speak to and how to get in. But I wrote to CERN, I booked myself, you can do a public tour of, you know, so they don't, you don't get to see very much, they show you kind of film and you get to go to an exhibition centre, but I booked myself on that and then wrote to the PR office and said, I'm a photographer, can you show me anything else? And they wrote back and said, yeah, we can, uh, we've arranged for you to make, meet this engineer and he's going to show you this, this and this. And then when I met this engineer, he showed me some really cool stuff and said, next time you want to come back, just call me and I'll show you whatever you want to see. So I had kind of an in there and I went back again. And then the next time they hired me to go back and take pictures and bought all the pictures I'd taken on the trips. I've been there before. So I kind of have like a special relationship there. Um, Also because Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so cool what they're doing. It's just, it feels like the, like the kind of peak of human ingenuity and, and um, you know interest and intrigue and yeah it's it's really cool well plus i i i assume that opened a lot of doors for you um having uh, being able to do that kind of work for 
um, you know, something that not a lot of people get to see, really. Yeah, I don't know how, I don't, I mean, it all just, I don't really know which projects have been the ones that kind of really got me jobs or, you know, they've got, that people got to see. I know which mm-hmm. ones have been, you know, a lot more out on the internet and, and have been seen by a lot more people. I guess those ones are the ones that have, have kind of led to more stuff. But um, I think it all just, went, everything goes into kind of the, the, the long-term project or the, my, my portfolio, you know, as, as some, some, work, some places work out better than other places, but everything kind of adds to the whole, the whole body, if you know what I mean. Of course. And where um, and so in the future, what kind of um, project would you would you love to do most? What what would be your dream project to do for the future? Yeah, another difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think this was going to be a walk in the park? No, no, no. But it's just like I get asked that in like every interview that I do, and I always kind of go. Like uh, I always forget, like because I have like I have a I have a list of um, kind of potential projects that I'm always adding to, right? Um, and that is a long list, so I have to try and remember the list and pick out one that is is interesting. <laughs> but uh, I don't have like this is the place that I really want to get into uh, because I actually feel like I've kind of crossed off quite a few of those. Like if you'd ask me seven or eight years ago then I, I would have said I would have mentioned a couple of places but what what type of photography would that be I'm, I'm about to start working on a project together with a, a Swedish architecture um, critic called Mark Isett and we we want to do a story about uh, the sewage systems of New York and Paris and Tokyo and London uh, because there's something about the infrastructure of, of like waste, and some of these places are incredible. Like in London, they have some mm-hmm. some sewage pumping stations that look like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. You know, they were built like 150 years ago, and they're they're like absolutely beautiful. And in Tokyo, they have these huge like mm-hmm. wastewater flood management kind of. Uh, uh, like barriers and basins and stuff like that, but we were both attracted to uh, the idea that it's something a bit taboo or something a bit ugh, that you don't really want to think about it. But we all have to, you know, go to the toilet, and that goes somewhere. And the infrastructure surrounding that is pretty amazing. And I think plus that you know you. Um, often go for and your book was called unintended beauty right um that's uh something that, that i was trying to explain before it's like you find um these perspectives that uh, other people don't see and and you're able to create something really um fantastically good looking out of that and i think the idea of of you know, going into sex doll workshops um, or uh, into sewage systems or, or whatnot, that, you know, and, and the idea of taking home a really good-looking picture from, from that and providing people with a perspective that they hadn't seen before um, is, is fantastic. 
Yeah, I I I really like um, if 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 I can provoke a little bit, you know, people's sensibilities or have a bit of fun with it or you know have a little bit of humor involved in in what i'm doing but also kind of make them think about it as well because it it is pretty serious it's waste management you know like it's it's uh but i also think that it's in a way it's kind of it's good to have something a little bit ugly in the beauty or there, there should be a bit of shit in everything or or it, it it makes everything more interesting I have a, um, someone I know, they were making a, a perfume once and they went to Paris and they got a tour of um, like the perfumery and got shown how the, how perfumes were mixed and all the different smells and everything that goes in them. And, and I don't know if it's true or not, this story, but I really like it. They said that there's one ingredient that goes into every single perfume and that is like the smell of shit. Uh, <laughs> In a very, very <laughs> tiny quantity. Um, am, I, am I allowed to say that on this podcast? Of course. You can say whatever okay. you want. Okay, good. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, or you could say fecal but, matter if you want to. Fecal matter. That sounds even worse somehow. <laughs> anyway, there has to be a, a tiny little bit of this smell in all perfumes because as humans, on an animal level, we're attracted to this even though we don't know it's there so it's like a tiny tiny little bit of salt in the dessert or like you know it's the little umami uh that we that we don't realize is there but creates the magic Mm. and and i feel like that that should be true of most good things in life uh so yes sewage i think is pretty interesting Um, oh my gosh, I didn't think we'd go this far today. <laughs> I, I'd like to uh, come back to something you said a couple minutes ago um, about stuff on the internet, like stuff that you know has been seen a lot more often than stuff stuff that might get you jobs. Uh, is this something that you're like actively... Are you, are you trying to game the algorithm? I guess is my question. Is it something that you have an eye on? Is this something you care about? Like Instagram followers, does it have an effect on your bottom line? Do you know what, what could go viral from the stuff you create? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I have to be aware of it because I'm still, you know, I have, I have a business and I need to, I need to, sell pictures and I need to get commissioned and I need to you know keep working um so I need to create awareness of the projects that I do and you know and 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 they they generate new work um so I need to make sure that when I when I do a new project then I I get as much out of that as possible but I can definitely tell which ones are gonna are gonna pick up more than other ones but some of my you know you know instagram for instance i'm i'm i don't really like spending time on instagram uh and i can't really be bothered with it (laughs) but but i do you know i i I spend a lot of time scheduling my posts and making sure that i post regularly and making sure that i've always got good stuff going on there and because it's really really important for my business um but having said that some of my favorite shots that go on there, 
you know, uh, they get like the least amount of likes. And I can tell which one is going to get the, the most amount. I know that I put this one on and it's going to be really popular. But I, I also know I'm going to put this one on that I really, really like, which is just like a little corner or it's something it's not as like big and bombastic. And then people are like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's just that's just how it works. But yeah, in answer to your question, it, I, I have to be aware of, you know, putting myself out there. My, my own marketing and PR is, is important for what I do. We went out for a really nice dinner in Hong Kong with one of your followers as well. So, you know, it's, it's not just getting to know clients, it's getting to know people and, and getting to know cities that you go to. And Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, that's, that's one of the good things about Instagram is I have actually made some like real life friends through Instagram. People that I've met up with in real life. So it's not all bad. I'm not saying it's all bad. Um, but in order to, in order to kind of do, yeah, try to beat the algorithm or, or whatever, I think you have to spend like, I don't know when it would work because you have to spend a ridiculous amount of time paying attention to Instagram mm -hmm. and doing stories and reels. And it's like, yeah, even think uh, of it. no, it, I just, there's a limit to what I can do. Mm. But it's, it's good to hear that you like post stuff that you know will be unpopular just because it's yeah i mean yeah that you're not editing yourself too much i guess because uh, because i i do know that that is like a, a danger of of actually of building your brand that after a while you just notice that yeah this picture of as a corner it's not going to get as much engagement uh, i'd rather like post a close-up of something i already posted before that i know will get more engagement, more likes, more clicks and all that. So, uh, yeah, I, ho I hope yeah. you, you keep at that and, and like don't censor yourself too much. But it doesn't sound like you will when you're talking about sewage waste management stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny when I when I post one of the when I post one of the I did this series quite recently about yeah inside um, a sex doll factory and a dildo factory and a virtual reality porn uh, set in in the US in California and whenever I put up one of the like the pictures that's a bit more saucy like just you know like a rows and rows of kind of phalluses and stuff like that I know that I'm gonna lose like 20 or 30 followers and get more likes than I get for any other picture so it's funny that kind of um, contrast between you know some people just see that and they're like, I am not going to follow this guy anymore. <laughs> this is this is too far. I mean, I'm interested in factories, and but this I do not want. <laughs> I do not want fake penises on my Instagram. Goodbye. And then everyone else is like, this is brilliant. And, you know, liking it like crazy. So, I don't know. Good riddance, I say. To, uh, Good on if you. you don't want, yeah, if you don't want to see... Fake penises. Don't follow me. <laughs> and I've, I've noticed you have a lot from the, the sausage factory in Denmark. So like in the thumbnail, it's kind of hard to tell the difference sometimes between that and the dildo factory. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, very happy to hear that. <laughs> um, where, where do you find uh, your inspiration then for these kind of projects? everyday life uh, thinking about the stuff that's around me and where it came from 
and you know reading the news uh, if there's you know something sticks out um, or sounds interesting then I can kind of go down a, an internet rabbit hole and start researching but yeah it's just every just thinking about you know where does this fork I'm eating with where does it come from maybe the factory that makes that is interesting or, or that kind of thing but do you think um, and this is just a, just a thought. Um, do you think your, um, you know, having studied uh, philosophy and, and politics helped gain that perspective? I don't know. I think it, it would be easier to say yes. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for, you know, I, sm I smoked a lot of pot and didn't really go to any, <laughs> didn't go to any classes and... Yeah. Like just, I didn't really do anything for three years. Somebody that's read like a pocketbook about philosophy could probably tell you more about, you know, f like philosophy as it is taught than than I could tell you. Perhaps I did philosophize quite a lot in those three years, but it was on my own terms. I don't really believe it. I think I was kind of bumming around. Maybe it was so, just the weed speaking. Yeah, people. People, people ask me that as well sometimes. Don't you think that that philosophy, don't you think it's sunk in somehow uh, to the way that you work now? I truly do think you come from a slightly different perspective than uh, a lot of photographers that I've met. That you have a, a, a different kind of, I don't know, agenda or um, not even agenda, just way to kind of look at things, I guess. Yeah, I'm happy to, to hear that. I mean, I want to make more than just a pretty picture. I want to, to people to think or react or to, to start a conversation. Um, and yes, there is philosophy involved in the way I work and the way I think about the world. I just specifically to my education uh, in philosophy, I don't think that I particularly got much from that. But yes, okay. as as <laughs> as a way of working, um, I definitely, I definitely want. I'm definitely trying to think about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And you know, I think that from an artistic point of view, it's it's for me, it's really important to just ask questions all the time. I don't really feel like it's about having answers as an artist that you should say oh this is what i think about the world and have your own point of view i, I think it's also pretty important to say to, to be asking questions all the time and and having people ask questions through looking at uh the work and uh, yeah that's what i want want to but are there a kind of um would there be projects out there that you'd say no i don't want to do that um like paid paid work um, where you kind of feel um, the client is, is uh, you know, hassling you about being creative and all that kind of stuff. Um, are, there, are there projects you'd be like, I don't want to do that for any particular reason? Yeah, probably. I mean, obviously, you know, th things like, you know, tobacco, the tobacco industry doesn't have a very good... Uh, good name for itself and if they came along and wanted to hire me to do something 
I would have to think really seriously about it. But at the same time, I don't really want to shut anything down without having a good think about it or why, mm. you know, what, what, what the point of view is. You know, if, there's a difference between doing a, doing a personal project or a, or, a, or a magazine piece, an editorial piece about a tobacco company or about, for instance, e-cigarettes or something than it is to work than it is you know, working for being hired by the company itself and it could be that the outcome is exactly the same that the pictures that I take well they don't force me to do anything but it still ends up being used to basically make them look good or for their marketing or in some way to sell more e-cigarettes and I guess with when you're mixing kind of commercial and editorial and art photography, you have to, like, I, ha I feel like I have to weigh the, those, those things all the time. Mm -hmm. um, those different aspects of what, how is it going to end up being used? And, and yeah. And I, I don't necessarily have a problem with any, any of it. It just depends on the specific circumstance, to be honest. Of course. Um, so you've you've been in the industry for what about 13 14 years now um actually yeah. professionally um and i i assume and i think that the the whole industry has made quite a quite a big step since um or in those 13 14 years um you know, where do you think it might be headed um and and what what kind of uh, innovation or or digital digitization steps in that direction do you think will um, enhance or um, change the industry um, for, for its better or worse maybe I don't know I think the the biggest change happened before I started that was when it when when it went from film to digital mm -hmm. and a lot of old professional photographers just kind of stopped I think or they lost they were too slow to adapt and and then and then digital took over and there, I think there was like a really big shake up there. I don't think it's changed as much while I've been doing it, but of course the Instagram, the quick way of doing things and like the the need for content has has really stepped up a lot. Like they we just need like content, content, content. I mean, they say, you know, I'm <clears throat> I think I've read somewhere that like to get my 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 engagement maxed out on Instagram just as me and myself I should be posting every single day or something like that. I think I post every other day. But yeah. every day that's 365 pictures a year. That's that's bonkers. Like so and and brands they need more than that. So there's just there's so much content that needs to be be generated and I don't think the budgets are going up. They're just being, I don't think that, I don't think they're going down either. Maybe they are after Corona, but, mm -hmm. um, but they're being spread out more. I mean, you need to, they need to get more for their, for their money. Um, so I think that's changing, but to be honest, I haven't, I haven't noticed it that much. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to angle my, myself in, you know, as, high end as possible so that there will always hopefully there will be a niche where there's always a need, um, for, a need for someone and like is really professional and knows exactly what they're doing at the end of the day 
when it comes to you know taking the really important pictures for your company uh, if you're a big company you're you're not going to take risks with saving money on getting some guy here or there there's always going to be uh, room for you know some some high-end photography I think I don't think that's going anywhere but I think the middle ground is going to change a lot but do you think the fact that um, cameras are and I'm just uh, holding my iPhone into the camera here um, do you think the fact that cameras are becoming more and more portable is making it more and more accessible um, to, to good photographers? Which photographer said the best camera that you can have is the one that you have on you um, or something like that? Yeah, I've heard that. It's probably Cartier-Bresson or something. Is that a philosophy that you, you share? Um, is, is, is your iPhone um, a tool that you use for work at all? No, I mean, it, in the beginning, when I started, what I was, when I started in photography, then I was taking photos of everything, um, and you know, I would go on holiday and I would take my camera and I would just be constantly stressed that I was missing a picture of an old person on the street, the kind of cliched amateur photographer kind of stuff. And then at one point, I I stopped bringing my camera with me and uh and and just kind of it became like work and mm. i don't mean that in the negative i'm going to work kind of way i mean like the work that you do like the projects it became like a more serious thing and not something that i wanted to 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 do all the time mm. uh, and then i just used my phone or a small camera for taking pictures of things that I thought, like, like moments, my kids' experiences, you know, to remember them, not to say, yeah. I'm going to show this yeah, to somebody okay. one day, or I'm going to use this. But I take loads of photos, but I'm not thinking about trying to make a great photo. I'm just thinking, I want to remember this moment. Yeah. So I've, I've made like a separation of these two things, which I think is healthy, but I also wouldn't want to say it should stay like that forever. Okay. Uh, I don't think there are any hard and fast rules. I think there's not, people should always be learning. People should always be trying new things. Uh, you shouldn't get stuck in a rut. Um, and I, I count myself in that. So if I make a rule saying I'm not going to do that, then I would like to break that rule someday. So maybe I'll be an iPhone photographer. <laughs> It kind of sounds like that might help you to kind of balance out your your life and and work um, evenly. Um, in the like when you're at work, you have your camera with you, and when you're not at work, you don't have it with you. Or doesn't it work like that? Yeah, but I find that I uh, it, it's hard for me to really see when I've got my camera with me. Okay. I'm looking at yeah. I'm looking at details. I'm looking at composition. I'm looking at light. I'm looking at lines, and I'm looking at through a camera lens, yeah. which is like it's a, for me it's a different way of looking at the world. And when I'm on holiday with my kids, I want to I want to really see this moment like in 360 full experience, and it's the experience that I want to capture and have with me forever whereas i don't that's not what i'm trying to do when i'm working when i'm working i'm trying to actually take this rectangle here and change that from the way it is 
in reality to something almost abstract or or special or magical um so it's it's a very different way of kind of looking at the world i think i would if i was trying to do that all the time even when i was on holiday i would go bonkers mm-hmm. and it's interesting that you you talk about um reality and and um and two dimensions and um one of one of the things that i've been thinking about recently and also is this a, a direction that you think your photography might go in is is a more kind of virtual reality um direction or is that not something you think about at all uh it's not really something that i've thought about um but i'm always kind of i think i'm in quite an experimental phase at the moment i feel Mm. like i'm going into you know the whole the corona thing has forced me to rethink a little bit and i'm i'm looking at new techniques and new equipment and new ways of doing things so nothing is off the cards um but i vr i haven't been thinking uh, about particularly i'm thinking i'm taking more smaller steps oh can we think about that together i'd love to think about that with you for a while (laughs) not not on this podcast obviously (laughs) yeah yeah let's talk about it cool um, and video, uh, you had mentioned once that you um, might be interested in in, in video in, in in some some sort of way. Yeah, I am, and in a way, it feels like the kind of the natural progression. And I have done some video, you know, I've done uh, I have I have some small videos, um, but I've I've kind of I'm I'm just going in the way that I'm being led and I haven't been led fully into video yet um but it's always kind of on my horizon cool um there's one thing that that I I do like to ask every now and then is is there anyone that you feel has been really kind of influential for your career um up until now any any people in particular you kind of feel put you on a on a particular track apart from you Apart from me, of course, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Another hard question. There's no one that's, that's bringing out. I mean, there's lots of people that I've worked with along the way that, that, I, that have definitely, you know, have been good to work with, but I'm, 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 not, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. Okay. My wife has been very supportive. Your your wife's an artist, right? Yeah, so she's like my main kind of sounding board for a lot of things. Um, and she's very, very good at, at what she does. So she's my main person that I, 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 that is guiding me, if anyone is guiding me, I would say. Cool, that's nice to hear. <laughs> So thanks a lot for that conversation. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Until soon, I hope. Yes. Basel. We have reached the end of this digital experience podcast. 
Thanks for listening. For further information about us, please head over to weawondrous.com.